What's up, movie lovers? How's everyone doing? It's your girl, Rossi, and I'm back with another awesome show. Um, tonight, I'm joined by a really good friend of mine. Her name is Brooke Parrish, and um, she brought an awesome documentary to me. It's called Girl in a Picture. It's on Netflix. You guys can check it out. This is a spoiler review. So um, let's get into it, guys. What's up, Brooke? What's up? How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Appreciate so, um, guys, this is my friend Brooke. We work together. Um, like I said, um, she was. She's always talking to me about these documentaries, and she'd come to work and she'd be like, "Hey, there's this documentary. Have you seen this?" Yep. And so she was telling me about the girl in a picture on Netflix. Um, and before we get into that, I want you guys just to know a little bit about Brooke because she's going to become a friend of the channel. Brooke, tell them a little bit about you. Uh, yeah, so I was born in Roseville. I live in Sacramento now. And yeah, I just, like she said, I watch documentaries all the time. And I brought this one up after it was probably about a month where I was just nonstop right. watching all these documentaries. And that was the craziest <laughs> one I'd ever watched. So I thought I'd bring that up. But yeah. So, um, so what we're going to do with Brooke is, um, like Brooke said, she was grinding out documentaries. She was doing that for a month. She loves the documentaries. So, um, we'll probably do this once a month. Um, Brooke will come on and she'll bring us a new documentary. I don't know what she's going to bring, which is going to be fun. So it'll be something um, new for us to do this once a month. All right, guys. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about, um, the girl in a picture, read a little bit about it. And then, uh, we're going to talk about it. Okay. It's an amazing story. It's a sad story anyway. So it's an American Netflix original documentary film. It was directed by Sky Borgman. Um, it's based on uh, one of the books, A Beautiful Child and Finding Sharon by uh, Matt Birkbeck, um, who also serves as, as executive producer on this, guys. Uh, the story is centered on a young girl known as Sharon Marshall, who was abducted, uh, abducted by federal fugitive Franklin Delano Floyd and then raised as his daughter. Yes, guys, raised as his daughter. So over the course of the next two decades, she was sexually assaulted by Floyd, forced to marry him, and ultimately died in a suspicious hit-and-run accident in 1990. Um, and so the film follows the shocking events that trans um, transpired. Um, after afterward, the afterward and the years-long efforts by Birkbeck, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the FBI to find her true identity. And guys, this film came out on July 6th of 2022. You can still watch it on Netflix. What did you think about just first impressions of the documentary, Brooke? What did you think about it? Um, I mean, like you said, it's such a sad, tragic story. And, you know, how it's all laid out is perfect. It's, you know, it starts in the beginning when, you know, the accident happened. And right. slowly over time, all these new layers kind of unfold. And it just like, you think, you know, it's over, you know, but it's right. not. And right. So yeah, it was um, definitely the craziest documentary I've ever seen. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, why did nothing happen you know, until, you know, it's too late, you know, so right. yeah, right. but it leaves you wondering for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, we start this out. We have two guys, they're, they're driving home one late night in um, Oklahoma. Um, they see debris on the side of the road. And so they pull over to, to see what this debris is because it was, it was a lot, it was pretty big. And then they discover uh, a young lady's body, uh, blonde hair. Um, I think they see like a shoe, like some, um, some items of hers. 
Um, they call an ambulance, they get her to the hospital. Um, while she's at the hospital, they, they realize that, um, she has bruises on her, like old bruises that have been there for a while. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, remember they found that. The, and so um, her husband at the time, um, his name was, uh, what was it? Oh Clarence. my gosh. We do not want to forget this guy's name because this is a horrible guy. Um, his name is, at the time, his name was Franklin uh, Floyd or Clarence <laughs> Hughes. I'm sorry, he was Clarence right. Hughes yeah. um, at the time. Uh, he eventually gets to the hospital. They find out that they're a married couple um, that has um, a young, a young uh, a kid, a little boy. And um, I remember in the documentary, they had made it a point to mention that um, this guy was really creepy. Uh, he was way older than her. And um, and that was her husband. And that's how the story basically starts out. OK, so her name is um, it was a Tanya Hughes at the time. Um, and Brooke can tell you a little bit about Tanya and, um, we'll talk about her friends, um, at the, the club. She was a stripper at the time and yeah. one of her, uh, friends at the club who was actually a really good friend of hers. Um, her name was, let me get her name guys. Cause I want to make sure that I mention all of these folks here. Her name was, a uh, Karen Parsley. So Brooke, you want to tell a little bit about how that went down? Yeah, what with the with the strip um, thing or well, basically at the club, um, the the friends of hers got together, um, uh, led by Karen Parsley to find to find her family to let her family know that oh, yeah yeah that Tanya so they, had died. Yeah, so they finally, I think, somehow her friends from high school they got in touch with. I think was how it went, and um, they're like, no, that's Sharon. And right. like, no, it's Tanya. No, it's Sharon. <laughs> right. And so that's when they finally discovered that she was not who she really was. And right. um, yeah, when and it's crazy seeing like how her friends talk about her, how sweet and genuine she was and how right. she was friends with all the underdogs and, right. you know, was super smart, super intelligent, but was very pretty and could have easily been one of the popular girls, which I think Absolutely. she was. But she was just such a kind person. And so nobody had any idea that this was all happening. Right. Um, right. So what happened was, guys, um, so Karen um, is a friend of of Tanya Hughes at the time. And when they found out that Tanya had died, uh, Karen wanted to, her and the girls at the club wanted to get together. They wanted to let her family know that she died. So they end up calling this this woman who they thought was her mother. And they call her up and tell her, we're sorry to inform you, but your daughter died. And the woman lets them know, I don't know who you're talking about because my daughter died 20 years ago at 18 months. Um, and, and her name was not, um, Tanya or something that wasn't her name. So at that point they realized they don't know who this is. And they were gracious enough to get her a headstone that simply said Tanya. Um, and so that's where we start with not knowing who she is. And like Brooke mentioned, her friends in high school end up seeing a report on the news and, uh, and, and saw that they know Tanya as Sharon. And like Brooke said, they went to high school with her. She was, um, she could have easily been a very popular girl. Just a second. What's up, Jojo? How are you doing, girl? Thanks for joining us again tonight. Um, so they knew, they knew Tanya as this, she was really smart in school, um, beautiful, had a lot of friends. 
what was she? She got a scholarship. Um, what was her scholarship? Brooke? Her scholarship uh, was for I I want to say MIT. Um, but yeah, she wanted to go to school to be an aerospace engineer. Right. And was doing excellent in class. Was like top of her class. So yeah. Right. Right. Um, she was. Now there is a point where Jenny Fisher, who was her best friend at the time had told a story about Sharon because we're get, we we now know that her name was not Tanya Hughes it's actually Sharon. So mm-hmm. she's telling us that in high school, you know, um uh Sharon was like for everyone, um but there was something weird because um when Sharon got the scholarship uh to to Georgia Tech, it was Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech uh, she got yep. the the scholarship to go to Georgia Tech. She's really excited. So in the yearbook, you know that you you know yearbooks, you know, uh people are um congratulations, all that stuff. But her father ends up putting a picture, takes a picture of her and it's in the yearbook. And he's saying, uh, watch out. My daughter is, 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 you know, been accepted to Georgia tech. But the problem was the picture was very sexy, very seductive. And I remember Jenny, um, when she was giving her interview in a documentary saying, what father takes a picture like that of his daughter and and want and submits it to the yearbook? And right. so it would that, usually be them as a kid or you know Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Baby pictures. That's what he gave. Um do you remember you want to tell the story about uh the, the father meeting <laughs> Jenny's parents for the first time in a loan he asked for? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So these are okay. So these are incidental. So I tend to bring up little things. So I'm. I just want to give you guys a view of yeah, that's good. of who he was. So she ends up meeting um, her and Jenny Fisher ends up being best friends. Jenny actually comes from a pretty well-to-do family. Floyd or Clarence Hughes at the time. I'm sorry, guys. As you'll find out, he goes by many names. Okay, but um, Clarence Hughes at the time ends up meeting Jenny's parents. Goes over to the house, and I remember Jenny saying that. Mm-hmm. go ahead yeah. yeah sorry you just unlocked the memory it's for me good, uh, right? yeah he it was the first time he met her new friend's parents right and his first thing that he brought up to them was that he needed a loan uh right. for money and that rubbed her parents the wrong way and right. they did not get a good feeling from this guy because who goes, you know, to their kid's friend's house to meet the parents and right. like, hey, can you give me a thousand bucks? Like, that's right. Crazy. Who does that? Yeah. Um, he does. So there was a point where Jenny wanted to go and spend some time with um, with uh, uh, Sharon and spend the night. And Jenny's mom was like, you know, don't tell your dad because, you know, after that first impression, they dad wasn't feeling him at all. She lets Jenny go and spend the night with uh, Sharon and wow, do you remember that sleepover? You want to tell them what happens during that sleepover and start with the, the lingerie in the girl's drawer and in, in Sharon's drawer. Yep. So uh, the girls go into um, what was her name at the time? Sharon oh. go into Sharon's room. Right. And um, I think that they were going to get changed to maybe go to the pool or something. Right. And she saw in her drawer that she had just sets of like lingerie and keep in mind that they're like 16, 17 years. Right. Old, right? right. And so she's like, Hey, Sharon, why do you have all these panties and lingerie like in your dresser? <laughs> and she's like, well, my dad gets them for me. And, right. you know, obviously that would rub anybody the wrong way. Absolutely. But, 
Um, yeah, so she was a little put off by that. Um, then I, I think he came into the room at the time. Is that yeah, right? He, right? Yeah, he, he plays a, a horrible joke on them. Remember, he goes in a room with a shotgun and what are you guys doing? As they're and undressing, she, right? As yeah. the, at, right in the middle. And she, and, and Jenny is, is mentioning that like we're in the middle of getting undressed, like our, our, our tops are off and he comes in there and then he's like, he's like, oh, just just playing with you guys. And I remember she mentioned that when she looked at Sharon, Sharon was kind of like giggling a little bit and saying, you know, oh, daddy's just funny like that. And he also mentions, I'll be right back. I'll see you guys soon. And so that evening he goes in there and I think he tells Jenny to put a pillow over her, her face as he rapes uh, Sharon right next to Jenny. And I mean, from what Jenny knows, that's her father. Like right. that's her father. And yeah. she'd mentioned that, you know, like it, it's changed her. I mean, forever it changed her. So and that's just, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. And no. just the saddest part that really stuck to me when she was telling the story besides, you know, her, you know, emotions telling right. it, you know, it happened a long time ago, but it's still very real and present for her. Right. Um, you know, she, she talks about how, um, I lost my train of thought, right? It's, it's okay. No, it's okay. okay. I'll let you know. I think about it. I'll let you know. No, it's fine. Always, always jump in. That's okay. It, it's, there's so much to unpack in this story because when you think yeah. that it's going to end guys, it's like, it's something else. And the point of this story guys is not only to tell about the abuse that she went through, but we're trying to find out who she is. Okay. Right. Because we still don't know who she is. And yeah. so, um, so we, at that time, um, um, Jenny's telling her story about, you know, uh, witnessing um, Sharon get raped by her father. Yeah, I don't remember. You know, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, but it just shows what kind of character that uh, I'm going to call her. What What's her actual name? Um, well, her actual name. Well, her name at we'll, this we'll point is Sharon. That. We'll, 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 we'll that. do that. But her actual name yeah. at this point, her name is Sharon. Sharon. So um, after all that happens and how traumatic that was, uh, she turns to her friend and comforts her right. and tells her, like, it's OK. Like, he, right. he's just like that. It's OK. Like, right. you're, you're OK. I'm fine. Right. And right. that really, you know, hit me because she was just such a selfless kind of yes. person. That you could yes. Tell, you know? So, yeah. And ooh, you guys just wait. OK, so. Um, after this point, um, uh, Jenny mentions that the next time, I guess, when she talks to Sharon, Sharon lets her know that she's pregnant and uh, and she ends up leaving town like she ends up leaving. Um, she has Michael, um, her son, Michael, who she who was two years old at the time that uh, Tanya now Sharon dies. OK, so Michael was um, um, like we said, two years old at the time. Um Sharon or, or Jenny does not see uh, Sharon anymore. They end up leaving. And I think they go to uh, Florida um, because that's where I believe they go to Florida. That's where um, Michael was born in Choctaw. Um, I have it here. Just a second, guys. I'm sorry. They know I love my notes. Um, so Michael was um, or Sharon was born in 1969. She died in 1992. Um Michael um, was two years old when Sharon died. Anyways, they find out that um, that there's a two year old. So we're going to jump around, guys, because we got to go back to to Michael. OK, so um, when Sharon died, like I said, Michael was two years old. 
Um, thank goodness to um, uh, Karen Parsley, who ends up uh, being told to call uh, the child welfare to let them know that there is a, a, a toddler that uh, the dad has. And so um, they end up going and taking uh, Michael into custody and he ends up going to a foster family that you end up meeting. Uh, these were really good people. I, I believe they lived in Oklahoma. Um, they were actually going to adopt Michael. Um, they had mentioned that when they end up getting Michael, even at two years old, he was on a bottle. Remember, it was what uh, he only drinks Pepsi um, and he was disturbed at that age. Uh, I remember them mentioning that he used to, if you told him no, he would have these crazy tantrums where he would bam his head onto the floor. Um, and they mentioned after a week of being with them, he, he got off the bottle in 24 hours. Um, they they changed this kid, like just what a little, what love will do for a child in a week. This was a totally different kid. They yeah. end up having Michael for four years. Do you want to talk about the kidnapping? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, um, so yeah, they had him for four years and they loved him like he was their own, you know, right. and they took really good care of him. You know, I'm happy that he at least had them for that time being. Um, right. But th there was at one point where a if he wanted to get custody of him again and right. take him back um, right. because he was trying to get his you know son back and. Right. Um, they said that, you know, he needs to take a paternity test to right. make sure that he's his actual father. And so he keeps trying to push it off, doesn't want to do it, you know, and then finally does it. And it comes back that he's not his. And right. so they're like, OK, well, then we'll give him to this family that has been taking care of him and has been doing a good job. So we'll just let them take over. Um, obviously, he doesn't. He, you can tell in the documentary, he's obsessed with control over yes. people. Yes, um, it's all about control. It, yes. That's all it is. Um, and so, yeah, he um, eventually went to the school that he was going to. Um, he kidnapped him and the principal at gunpoint. Right, right. School, like, had no care for if authority was on the way. No, he was going to get his son right. And so, yeah, he kidnaps him and takes him into the woods. And I think he blindfolded the principal yeah. and yeah. told him, if you take off your blindfold, I will shoot you in the face or something right. like that. And right. so, of course, the principal's scared, you know, shitless and, right. wanna, you know, <laughs> do right. Um, But yeah, and then he took off with the kid and then, of course, he disappeared again. And yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So, I mean, just the, the the act of going into the school with showing a gun, kidnapping the principal, having the principal take him to Michael's classroom, tying the print or 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 he handcuffed the principal to a tree. Um, and as Brooke said, blindfolded him um, and uh, he was later discovered um, by someone that was out and about, saw him call authorities and Michael is gone. Uh, don't know where he is. He's gone. So now the story has taken a turn to where now we have a missing two or uh, let's see, two, three, four, about five, six year old, because remember, he was in school at the time. So now he's missing um, the 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 um, parents who were going to adopt the foster parents. They give, um, of course, go on TV, um, giving press conference. They they they're telling Michael, we're coming for you. If we just knew where you are, we're, we're looking for you. 
So we don't know what happened to Michael. And then uh, Joe Fitzpatrick, who is a special um, agent from the FBI, he then enters this story because when there's a kidnapping of that level, uh, uh, Joe Fitzpatrick comes in and he really just starts where the story just starts to take off because he needs to find Michael, but we need to find out about the the mother, Sharon. So right. um, from there, we're in, we go back to Florida because there's more to learn about um, their life in Florida. Um, so we have Clarence, um, Clarence at the time, Clarence Floyd at the time, who ends up uh, having Tanya Hughes um, be a stripper. And we're going talking about Florida because there's another young lady that ends up um, missing as well uh, years later. So they're they're in Florida at the, the strip club called uh, Mons Venus. And in the 80s, this was a, a huge strip club, very popular, celebrities, rich. It was just one of those known for the most pretty girls. And they were talking about when they met Tanya and she came in, how innocent she was. Um, just a just a little half pint, just a small, shy, but really smart young lady. Mm-hmm. And um, they end up mentioning uh, mentioning her father and how creepy her father was and um, how he would drop her off at the strip club. Do you remember the the story that um, her name is Heather Lane? Heather Lane um, uh, was a, a a good friend of Tanya. She knew Tanya. She actually took Tanya to one of the parties that she gave because remember Tanya told her my dad um, wanted me to ask you if I can be in part of those parties. Do you remember when Heather was saying that that was just go ahead, Brooke. Yeah. No. Um, first, of course she was like, you gross, you know, right. But right. Yeah. So she, she allowed her to be part of the parties, but the thing about this strip club, at least for at that party, Um, It was very strict. It was, you know, no sexual favors. We're not prostitutes. Like we are, you know, women that are dancing and you know, that that's it. Right. Right. No lap dances, no touching. Right. Yeah. And so she, I guess, uh, security caught her um, at like the, I don't know, maybe like coat check or somewhere um, offering sexual favors for, right. $50 or some like crazy, like, yeah. And so, um, and they were, of course, were confused by that because she was again, so innocent looking and, you know, then they kind of figured out it was her father that was making her do that. Right. Um, and she mentioned that, you know, daddy gave me condoms, you know, so that I can protect myself. So they wanted her, you know, they, they told uh, Heather, you got to get her out of here. You know, she can't be doing that. You know, this club's not known for that. And um, we also uh, entering a picture. We also meet meet uh, Michelle Couples, and Michelle was Michael's babysitter. And just to hear her talk about how uh, sweet Michael was, and the goo goo sounds, and the faces that she would make. Um, but she herself had a nice little insight into the relationship between. Uh, um, gosh, I, I, I'm trying to get his name, Clarence Hughes. Um, Tanya and um, and how odd it was that that it, it just it, the, the the behavior between them was just odd. 
Um, And so Michelle talks a lot about that. um, And Michelle um, becomes a main part of the story as well, because one of the friends at the club that um, was a good friend of Tanya, her name was Cheryl Ann uh, Camesso. And uh, Cheryl Ann was a friend of Tanya's, would go over to Tanya's house. Um, And I do want to go back right quick, guys, because the reason why we went back to Florida also is because underneath the, the truck that Clarence drove, when he kidnapped the principal was they found uh, a roll of pictures that was taped underneath the, the underneath the truck. Those pictures that they looked at was indecent pictures of young girls. One of the girls in a picture was a stripper in Florida. So that's another reason why uh, Joe, they all go back to Florida to start there. OK, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to mention that because. Didn't you think that was odd when they found those pictures, though, taped underneath the truck? Again, there's so many layers. It's like, <laughs> you really, this can't be happening. And right. yeah, it's just like, it, it's hard to wrap your head around it, you know? Right. But yeah, no, and I think that that was over the years, right? Yeah. That yeah. was like, I mean, and also if you want to go at some point, if you want to go back to his past crimes and when that started. Why don't you, yeah, let's, too. so... What we're going to do, guys, is I'm going to let Brooke tell you a little bit about uh, uh, Clarence Hughes, his past crimes. And you also have his other um, identities that he used, right? Um, Yeah, I have some of them, but um, I just found the Franklin Delano. Yeah, go ahead. That was his name. That absolutely was his name. Um, Go ahead, Brooke. um, Yeah, so just to kind of backtrack a little bit. So he was born in, I think it was 1944. And um, his father died of liver and kidney uh, failure at 32. Um, And then his mother was left as a widow um, at 29. And she had five kids. He was the youngest of all five. And so she eventually couldn't take care of them. You know, it was a different time. And it was especially hard for a single mother. So she sent them to a group home where he was severely beaten and sexually assaulted. Uh, by not only the kids there, but by the staff. And um, they said, he said that it was because he was perceived as being too feminine. Right. Um, And so I think that that's where his problems with like masculinity comes from a little bit. Right. Um, And needing to be in control, obviously, when you're out of control as a kid, that might tend to happen as you get older. Um, But yeah, so anyways, uh, I think his first arrest, let me look here. His first arrest was in 1960. He was 16 years old and he broke into a Sears to steal a gun, had a shootout with the police and they shot him in the stomach. Wow. Then he went to the hospital and they sent him away to be at some group home for about a year. Um, 1961, he was arrested for violating parole. Um, I think he went on a trip and so he wasn't allowed to do that, was arrested again. Um, but in 1962, he was only 18. Um, he's, he kidnapped a four-year-old, took her to the woods, um, sexually assaulted her. Um, and so he was convicted of kidnapping and child molestation. Um, I think it's obviously a lot more than that, but, um, again, different time, unfortunately. Uh, and he was sentenced 10 to 20 years. Um, then in 1963, he must've been 19, 20 years old. He escaped and robbed a bank for $6,000. And so you can see through his history of being incarcerated, it's constant trying to escape, 
Um, he was also sexually assaulted and beaten in prison, you know, right. because of right. being a child molester. Right. Obviously. Um, but yeah, and then he, I think, was in a psychiatric facility for a little bit. Um, there was one uh, instance when he was locked up where he climbed to the roof of the prison and threatened to jump off and kill himself. Wow. So he's obviously a very mentally yes. deranged right. person. Um, so, so you get why he, you know, um, not an excuse, but why he ended up being oh, who he sure. was. You know, I absolutely. Mean, there's, there's other people out there that do horrible things and, you know, had, you know, normal upbringing. So it's kind of right. hard to tell how people will turn out. Right. Um, but yeah, the things that he did are just, I mean, from such a young age too. So yes. this definitely has to be, you know, from being a young child during those formative years right. and having right. these horrible things happen to you. Um, right. And also, you know, he was close with his mom. He tried reconnecting back with her. Um, she became a prostitute and she died um, right wow. at the beginning of when this all started to happen. Wow. You can kind of see a timeline of when this all kind of started, but again, not an excuse, just kind of a, it's, it is what it is. I mean, that that's what happened. And, um, you know, when you're treated cruelly as a child, like Brooke said, you you know, there, there there's some people that can go on with their life and they don't end up being, you know, uh, rapists, killers and all that, you know, but, um, a a lot, you know, it, it, it happens. It happens. Um, so you can imagine Sharon Marshall, um, being her name, um, being with this man who we, we, we know is not Michael's biological father, um, mm-hmm. for however long she'd been with him up until that point. Um, so when they leave Florida, um, uh, well, with the pictures back to the pictures underneath the truck, they see pictures, um, they find a picture of a, of a girl. They, they it doesn't show her face, but the, in the picture, she looked like she was brutally beaten to the point that they wouldn't be surprised if she had died. Okay. So, um, um, Clarence ends up, uh, getting Tanya, Michael, and they leave, they leave Florida in a hurry. Um, a lot of the friends back at the club didn't know where they went, but they're gone. We end up finding out that the reason why he left Florida was because her good friend, Cheryl and Camesso was the one in the picture. No one knew Cheryl's name, though. Cheryl was known as the I-275 girl. Um, they, um, I think they found her body and um, March of 19, March 29th, 1995. Um, and it took a lot for them to figure out who she was. Um, there was a, a, a piece of shirt, I think they said, that was wrapped around her neck. This shirt matched the shirt that, that was found or wh- whatever. Anyways, we end up finding out that the I-275 girl in Florida, actually her name was Cheryl Ann Camesso, and he killed her. He brutally beat her to death. That's why they picked up and left um, Florida and headed for uh, Oklahoma. It would have to be Mm -hmm. Oklahoma because um, that's where Michael was. Um, and she, he was living in Choctaw, Oklahoma, and that's where he was kidnapped out of was Oklahoma. Yeah. Do you remember and, why and, you he know, killed Cheryl? Um, I don't, 
I think it was just obsession, wasn't it? Because he would stalk her outside of because they. That's right. That's right. He sure did. That's right. He would come over all the time, and actually, one of the neighbors. This is not really relevant, but one of the neighbors was like a young girl, and she sees you know this beautiful you know girl that you know back in the eighties was what they would call the shit, right? Right, right. The cool (laughs) car and everything, and she would always say hi to this girl, and you know include her in things. So she seemed to also be a great person. Right. Uh, she was yeah. a, a beauty pageant member. She was a, yep. in, in beauty pageants, as yep. Cheryl was. Go yep. ahead. So he, uh, yeah, he would just stalk her and harass right. her outside of work. He would call the strip club, seeing right. if she was there. Um, and yeah, I mean, you don't really know what kind of led up to it necessarily. Right. Right. It happened. And uh, yeah. So. And um, actually, you know, um, Heather Lane had told a story about. Um, the last time she saw Cheryl, um, she was she had walked in a club. She had a black eye, uh, uh, bruises uh, like she'd been strangled around her mm-hmm. neck. And uh, she saw her outside arguing with um, Tanya's um, father. Mm-hmm. And um, she, Heather ends up going and getting Cheryl and taking her back into the club. And Heather had mentioned that uh, uh, Clarence, uh, he had... Um, revved his engine as if he was going to run over Heather. And Heather said that was the last time she saw Cheryl. So like Brooke said, he was obsessed with her. Anyways, he ends up killing her and that's, and flees Florida had to get Mm -hmm. out of Florida. And also, so we don't know exactly how Tanya died, but we do know at now at this point that um, when Clarence left, uh, Florida, um, the description was given that he was with his um, uh, a young uh, young toddler and his wife, a girl, a, a, a girl. So he has to get rid of them. He has to get rid of them. So hence Tanya ends up being found on the side of the road because they're not going to look for just a man by himself. They're looking for a man, mm-hmm. a woman and a kid. So exactly. we're we're thinking that um, that's why, uh, he ended up, or we don't even know if he killed her, but she, she was found on the side All of the road, you know, to it. Like, everything points to, it. absolutely. It points to him. Um, that, that's a good point. I never really thought about that. Why was she killed? Right. Because right. he's a very secretive person. He doesn't yes. talk about anything. He's very smart. Right. And he that's is. the most like frustrating thing about the whole thing. Even when he was arrested, didn't want to right. talk about anything, won't tell you anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that was just his way of getting rid of evidence or he was going to talk. Right. You know? So. Um, so speaking of getting arrested, so because of the they couldn't they didn't have anything that they can pin to him with um, Sharon. OK. Um, but we have Michael that was kidnapped. So even though we have not found Michael, we did, we have not found Michael. So what ended up happening is um, we have Mark Yancey and Edward uh, Kumega. Um, they are both um, assistant U.S. attorneys, um, Western District of Oklahoma, Edwards out of and um, and uh, Mark Yancey. They come into the picture. And so he would only get a few years for um uh, kidnapping the principal, but being that he kidnapped them at gunpoint, you go from five years to 25 years. 
And so we know that he can't get out. So they have to go with that case because they don't have a strong case um, with with Michael. They don't they don't have that because there is no body. So they had to go and and do it in, in other ways to convict him so that at least we have him in prison and they can go on and, and figure out, you know, about yeah. Sharon and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, so and so anyway, so that's what happened. So now he's in prison. And like uh, Brooke said, he's um, he's not talking. And when he does talk, he's really into talking about himself. Um, he yeah. won't touch on the subject of Sharon, Tanya. He won't. Uh, we will not talk about Michael. So it took a lot more digging for them to um, find their own evidence and bring it to him. So we now enter our uh, writer um, who was, um, what was his name? The writer of the book. That was Matt Birkbeck. Okay. So we have Matt Birkbeck who enters the, the story here and Matt ends up seeing this story online um, about this girl. And he said that um, the thing that uh, attracted him to the story was that creepy picture of little Sharon. Talk about that picture. Talk about that creepy picture. Oh my God. You can it's just sad. like, it's, it, it's such a sad photo. Man, it's sad. You can just, you know, see in her face that, you know, she's scared and, you know, with the yes. stranger. I think, I think that was when he first kidnapped her. Right. Uh, which is what we'll eventually go into, but right. yeah. Um, yeah. It's just this little girl and this guy, but yeah, you can just, what do people say about eyes? Eyes are like windows to the soul, right? Absolutely. You yes. You can feel it in the picture. So yes, it seems because like an innocent picture. As soon as you hear the backstory, you're like, Oh shit. It's is- yeah. It's, it's yeah. oh gosh. And when you see the picture that we're talking about guys, and just to let you guys know again, um, I'm here with uh, Brooke Parrish. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. We're talking about the Netflix documentary, The Girl in a Picture. You guys can watch that on Netflix. It's still up. Please go and check it out, guys. This is an amazing story. It's it's an amazing story. Um, and it takes so many turns. And it is just so sad. But the picture that we're talking about, guys, is it's a picture of Clarence. And he has little Sharon sitting in his lap. And um, the look on her face. Normally, when, when you're daddy's girl and you're taking a picture, you're all smiles, you're, you know, it's, it's warm, it's welcoming, it's all that. This is not that. Her eyes just look dead. She's just, she's just there. Yeah. She's just there in the yeah. picture. And when you realize what she went through and, and, and you're, you, you have finished up this documentary guys, and you look at that picture again, look at that picture and you know what she went through at that time. And then what she eventually her, what her life was so yeah. that picture was just devastating um i do want to mention this so clarence had um it was franklin floyd floyd trenton davis warren michael clarence hughes brandon cleo williams we end up finding that um at the end of the story and i'm mentioning all those names because the way that the police got him was they knew that there was only or uh what fit what was his name um joe fitzpatrick had mentioned that with guys like that, um, they usually stay within the same areas that they're that they're used to. So he he was in Georgia, he was in Oklahoma, he was in Florida. They usually, you know, keep to what they what they're familiar with. So right. they decided to 
go to Georgia because they because he has so many names, they end up being able to figure out the new name that he was going by. Um, they had uh, um, an agent dressed up as a UPS driver to deliver mail to him. And it was a sting. So once they delivered that mail to him, the police arrested him at that time. It was a setup. So that's how they got him. Just to let you know, you guys. Um, if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I heard at one point and I might be I was watching a review on this and somebody had mentioned that uh, when he was at the hospital. Right. And she was at the hospital. Um, also, first, she was making progress. Right. She wasn't right, going to right, die. Right. She wasn't going to die. OK. Right. She was making progress. Very true. They stabilized her. Right. And as soon as he showed up, she died. So right. it kind of makes you think. Like, yeah, and I completely forgot about it till now, but um, so what happy I brought that up. Is, uh, is that he put down his social security number, I think. Okay, when he was doing the paperwork or whatever, and so that's how they found what his other alias was. And then they were like, okay, so he must have multiple aliases, right? That. And right. that's how it went to that, right? So, very, yeah. that's a very good point, absolutely. So that's that that went down at the hospital and that that's such a good point because i remember them mentioning that it's other than the bruises the old bruises that was on her body she was in good shape she was yeah. in good shape at the hospital she was really in good shape and that is a good point that she was getting she was stable so yeah, there was so no just yeah. the, side of the road she was they felt a pulse her, yeah right okay, right no very good very good that's a, a good point um yeah she wasn't dead on the side of the road, she was laying there on the side of the road, seemed to be uh, uh, assumed that she was dead. She still had a, a very low pulse. So thank you for bringing that up because that's, yeah. that is a huge deal. We don't want to, we don't want to misrepresent. Um, okay. So we have the writer comes into the story and the story just, that's when uh, he, he ends up uh, writing the book. Um, and he said, once he finished the book, he put it up on, on this site and everyone from around the world were trying to, were giving leads. We think she's this person. We think she's that person because they found out that Sharon was not, Marshall was not who she was as, as well. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so this book, because of this book, it gets a lot of attention. He ends up going on TV and we're talking about um, Matt Birkbeck who wrote A Beautiful Child and Finding Sharon. Okay. So he ends up getting all these, all these leads and um, which ends up opening up the case more. And we'll 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 speed it along here. Um, what ends up happening is I think it was uh, the what was it? Uh, I want to give that foundation again that end up helping. Uh, it was the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children um, and that and the FBI. They all came together to find out her true identity. Uh, Scott Lobb, who was a special agent in the FBI and Nate Fur, who also was a special agent in the FBI. Um, um, I do want to mention that um, Matt Birkbeck did go uh, to the prison and was able to speak with um, Clarence, um, who who actually was Franklin Delano Floyd. That was that's his name. Okay, ends up talking to him, and he mentions that. Um, another mention, other people mentioned that the look, the stare that he had was like Charles Manson. Like this guy was a scary guy, but he didn't give he didn't get any information. Um, uh, Matt, he didn't get any information. He said he just, he Franklin just sat and talked about himself and he wouldn't talk about, you know, Sharon. He wouldn't talk about Michael. So the book releases, 
We get with the, 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 the missing and exploited children. They join it. Like I said, Scott Lobb and uh, Nate Fur, they end up going to the prison as well. And that's they, they speak with, um, with Floyd, uh, Franklin Delano Floyd, and they're giving him this interrogation. And as they're interrogating him, he ends up talking about Sharon. And they ask him, what's her name? Like, who is she? Like, and they said, and he mentions Suzanne, Su- Suzanne. And they're like, who's that? And they're like, and he's like, uh, well, that's who you're here for. You're here for her. You hear that? That's mind blown. This whole time, all these years, actually, her name is Suzanne Marie Savakas. That's her name. Yep. We end up um, being able to get her DNA because we find out that Suzanne had three kids in her lifetime. Um, the first kid that she had in the early 80s or maybe it was the mid 80s um, was given up for adoption. We don't know who that is. Um, and then she had Michael. Um, and the last kid she had was her name was Megan. Let me find Megan because Megan... Oh, yeah. Megan DeFracy, uh, yeah. De- she was Sharon's birth daughter. And the woman that adopted um, Megan, her name was Mary. And Mary tells this story about when she went to adopt uh, Megan. She, uh, she hears that uh, Sharon is getting ready to deliver. Um, and she goes to the delivery room. She has the baby. Um, Mary uh, asked her, would you like to see the baby? And she's like, no, I can't. I just can't do it. Um, she said that she sat in that room with her and she always wondered, we were alone. Why didn't she tell me she was in, that she needed help? Like when she told that story, I was, I was thinking that. God, she had her alone. I wonder why she didn't mention I'm in trouble. I'm in danger. She said nothing. She said nothing. And then we meet Megan and Megan's DNA was able to prove who Sharon was. Um, And she was Suzanne Marie Savakis. That's who she, that's what her real name was throughout this whole time. Do you want to tell them the story behind how Floyd ended up getting Suzanne, do you do you remember how she he ended up oh, getting yeah, her? Yeah. yeah, so um basically he met uh Suzanne's mother in a church, right? And so right. she was going through a really tough time and she was sitting at one of the pews um and she was crying. Right. And, and um she just kind of sat there, you know, crying and he comes up behind her. And he kind of offers her, you know, space if she wants to talk. Right. You know? right. And right. again, he's looking for his next victim. Right. And so then he finds out that she has, I think, three kids. Uh, yeah, I think it was about three, three kids three at that kids. time. All young kids. Yes. And, oh, so I, I think her husband died or her husband um, left. Her, her husband was uh, Cliff Savakis. He was in um, Vietnam at the time and he had um, he had came home. And when he said he said that when he came home, 
she was with another man and he she didn't want him because he wasn't right after Vietnam. And obviously we, we know about Vietnam and how horrible that war was. So I get right. that he wasn't right. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways, he he offers to marry her and take right. the kids in as his own and then they can move into um, his place. Right. So he's offering her stability. Absolutely. So she is like, you know, sounds crazy, but, you know, yeah, sure. We'll see how it goes. Um, And so. He ends up I think she ends up giving him um, because her kids were taken away from her. Um, She had mentioned that there was this tornado and it destroyed their home and she didn't have anywhere else to go. So he ends up, you know, showing up and offering all this stuff. And and he ends up getting Suzanne, Sharon. He ends Mm -hmm. up getting her at a very young age. That picture that we saw that she was about, what, four or five. And remember, this is after he had been to prison for molesting and kidnapping a four year old. So anyways, he ends up getting getting her. I don't know, but her the mom's name her, her mom's name was Sandra Willett, and I don't know if about her story. I mean, I I I, I feel for her, but I just it's what did you th- what did you think about her? her? It like you know again I don't know her situation what she was going through at the time, and you know obviously she was going through a lot of stuff, but right. I feel like any mother would. I mean, just go to the ends of the earth to try right. to find their child. And right. I think her excuse was, oh, well, I thought she was better off or whatever. Right. It, it just seemed like a very half-assed sort of excuse. That's how I felt. I, I felt yeah. like that. I feel like, you know, we as humans and people, you know, when we get to an, an elderly age, we tend to be looked at as, innocent and just you forget the shit that you've done okay when when you were a younger person so I feel like at her age we kind of give her that pass uh she's an elderly woman now so we're giving her that pass how horrible but I just I had some issues with with her story and how he came about having the girl but he ended up having the girl he ends up having her for what 16 years like 20 some odd years he had her from four years old, okay. She and she and another thing I want to say, guys, is he ends up marrying her. Um, uh, I, I think he married her when she was uh, at the strip. When she was, yeah, when she was at, at the strip club, I think she he ended up marrying her afterwards or before. Anyways, it, it, he ends up marrying her. So at that time, we're like, you married your daughter. Um, but we we find out that's not his daughter. Her father's name was Cliff Savakis. Her mother, is Sandra Willett. He ends up getting getting uh, Suzanne Marie Savakis, which is a real name, and um, and puts her through this nightmare of a life that she lived. And yep. um, um, basically, guys, we're coming to the end of the story. At the end of the story, we find out who she is, which is a blessing. Everyone's relieved. Um, uh, I remember Joe Fitzpatrick was like he was in tears because this has been years, years of trying to figure out what happened, who she was, and to finally have that name and not just have a tombstone saying Tanya, to have yeah. a name, and they did that. She got a new tombstone yeah. with her real name. Um, when you meet her daughter in the film and you look at the daughter, it's like looking at at Suzanne. 
Yeah, the she girl looks, looks so much like Michael as well. Like, oh, yeah. oh, 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 and let's not forget Michael. Let's let let me wrap this up as well. You yeah. want to tell him what happened with Michael after he ends up confessing? Um, from what I remember, so he kidnapped him, and uh, they were on the run for a few months, right? Which is a long enough time to get rid right. of any evidence, right? Right. And um, so, yeah, the FBI, you know, agents are in there interrogating him and they're right. kind of getting to their wits end with it. They're like, yes. okay, we need to say something like it, it's been 20 years that you've been. Right. On the run. They've been looking for him since 1973. Right. 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 So, yeah. Anyways, um, so they're interrogating him and they're really applying the pressure and they're like, tell us where he is. Tell us where he is. And. Um, he starts crying. He starts, you know, getting emotional, yeah, right. which was obviously a show, but he was crying, you know, saying that was my boy. I would never do right. anything to my boy. And so then they finally, they say something. I wish I could remember what it was. But they asked him a final question. Do you remember what that was? Um, I do. I'll tell you this. Um, they asked him what happened to Michael. Where's Michael? And he ended up saying, as he's crying and well, and, and and just crocodile tears, all this emotional, he ends up saying he shot him twice in the back of the head to make it to make it just end quickly and as painful as yeah, painless as ever, basically. Yeah. He shot that baby. Yeah. He killed that baby. Yeah. And um, and then he told them where he where he buried him. They went to go look. They could not find any trace of a poor Michael. So well, that's his last hurrah at control, you know. Absolutely. He's going to be the only person that knows where he that is. No, right. Um, but, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that he probably did kill him because I feel like at this point, I mean, somebody would have came out. Yeah, he, he yeah. Something. So yeah. it's super unfortunate. And, right. um, you know, even though it, it kind of seems like there's an ending to all of this, she gets her tombstone and everything. Right. It still feels like unfinished business because you right. would maybe see her at the end talking yeah. about it, say I'm okay, and you know just to not really have any like videos and not many pictures of her from when right. she of her when she was younger. You know, you just kind of you know just want to know more about her. You know, absolutely. But that's where her daughter comes in. That feels like yes. like okay, like there's a part of her still. You know, right? And and like I said, when you see the daughter, uh, Megan. When you see her, it's it, at least you're able to see what Sharon would have looked like. Or, or you, even though with the pictures of of her, you see her mother's, like she said, she has her mother's cheekbones, her mother's smile. Then you look at Michael and they all look the same. We don't know, though, who fathered those children, because we know that at least with Michael, we know that uh, he wasn't the father of Michael. Um, and so the other two kids that she had, we don't know who the fathers were. Um, I can only guess and speculate that being that he had her out prostituting at the club, you know what I mean? Like that's the lifestyle. So, I mean, it's not because I don't see him letting her date. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see that. Um, So I'm, I'm thinking it was some John um, that, that, you know, father, the kids, but, um, and you see the life that that Megan was able to have with with her her adoptive mother. Um, yeah. You look at the pictures that they had of Megan, you know, uh, her holding up the 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 license plate, the her birthday. When I looked at it, I was thinking that's the life that Sharon should have had. 
should have had. Yeah. For you sure. know, that's the life she yeah. should have had. Yeah. What Megan has. So, um, yeah. so Megan was a, a, a huge surprise when they revealed Megan at the end of the documentary, it was just yeah. like, and then when you found out that she actually had three kids, I mean, right. Right. I, I do want to um, mention. Uh, so Franklin Delano Floyd, uh, he was born June 7th, 1943. He died January 23rd, 2023, a few months ago. Um, it's listed here that he was an American murderer, rapist and death row inmate. He was convicted of the 1989 murder of Cheryl Ann Camesso. That was the young lady in the strip club that was friends with. They got him for that. They got him for that. Yes, they got him for that, um, as well as the kidnapping of six-year-old Michael Anthony Hughes, whom he claimed was his son from his elementary school in Choctaw, Oklahoma. Floyd was also considered a person of interest in the 1990 hit-and-run death of his second wife, his kidnapping victim, um, Sharon Marshall, mother of Michael Anthony Hughes, it was later discovered that before becoming his wife, Sharon had been raised by Floyd from an early age as his daughter and was kidnapped by Floyd as a child. That's his ending. And that's the story. Um, Brooke, I appreciate you turning me on to this documentary. Yeah, this was an amazing docu- documentary. And yeah. um, to the director and everyone that was involved, a uh, Sky Borgman, um, Matt Birkbeck. Um, uh, Joe Fitzpatrick and everyone who joined this case to help solve and put a name to that little girl in that picture. Yeah. You all did an amazing job. And um, please, you guys go out and watch this documentary, share this documentary. Um, yeah. I, I, I would love for everyone to know her story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's just like two kind of key takeaways that I took from it. Like okay. one being, you obviously don't know what other people are going through and what kind of traumas that people have because nobody knew what she was going through, um, right. even though you would feel like it would be right in your face. Um, and then obviously, I feel like at the time, um, you know, things such as like human trafficking or, um, you know, sexual assault or kidnapping right. of women um, wasn't really taken all that serious at right. times. I feel like right. there were definitely some points where, you know, I, I feel like someone had to have reported something, you know, right. nothing was really done about it. You know, like when right. she was found and taken into the hospital, um, they just kind of took his word for right. it. Yes. You know, they didn't really question him. So, right. um, yeah, it just kind of, you know, reminds you of, you know, how things unfortunately can be, but absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad that there was some kind of closure for the family. So yes, there was, there, there was some closure. And so that's, that, that's the documentary guys that, that was yeah. that, um, Brooke, I look forward to you bringing, uh, whatever you have for me next month. I got, um, I can't wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be a surprise guys. Um, so, um, Brooke Parrish will be back with us. Thank you for sitting with us, um, tonight. Guys, um, what's coming up in the upcoming weeks? So uh, let's see, Wednesday, the 17th, I will have a director and screenwriter, uh, um, uh, let's see, Misha Desell. Uh, she'll come on here, I'm gonna interview her. She wrote the um, short film, um, Hit It In Plain Sight. Um, I was a lead in her film. Uh, Buddy Lee also was a co-star in that film. You can watch that online right now. Um, um, also, uh, Wednesday the 24th, we are going to be reviewing episode three of um, The Sandman. And I have uh, joining me, just a second, I want to make sure that I 
shout out my my new good friend. Uh, let's see. We're going to have Joshua Diggins. Uh, he's going to jo- uh, join me for that episode. And then, guys, we're going to head into June. We're going to um, continue reviewing um, The Sandman. But I have a special guest coming on in June. Um, June 7th, we have um, a Big V from the uh, Grammy-nominated uh, group, The Nappy Roots, will be joining us here on Rossi Talks June 7th. I'm looking forward uh, to talking with him. I love The Nappy Roots. I love their music. Uh, they were amazing. And um, I've listened to a lot of uh, some uh, uh, stuff Big V has out, and I can't wait to share with you all. Um, also, I want to mention um, a young lady that's going to be joining me as well uh, later on in June. Her name is Kristen Duff. She's a young actress. Uh, she did a film. I want to pull that up really, really quick, guys. Uh, this young lady has an amazing resume. Um, she has a film that she did with um, Eric Roberts. And um, the film is called um, Purse. Um, it was written, directed by Landon Whitmer. And um so she did that film and she just has a lot of other stuff. So Kristen's going to come on here and uh, and I'm going to interview her uh, towards the mid to end of June. And uh, that that's what's going on, guys. Um, I also will be on. Um, I'll be hanging out with uh, Jason Nichols. He is a good friend of the show. Frito. You guys know him as Frito. We did our game show the other uh, other night. Jason Nicholson. Um, I'm going to be joining him on uh, Wednesday of next week at seven o'clock, uh, he and uh, it's trust. We'll all three be talking about the Call of Duty uh, games. Okay, so that's happening. And then um, I also will be uh, being interviewed by Don Tucker. He also came on a show last week. Uh, we did the the uh, top five worst and best uh, third person shooters. Uh, I'll be going on his show for an interview. Brooke, tell do you have anything coming up? I mean, do you want to shout out anyone? Do your thing. No, not really. This is my first time, so I'm just riding okay. along with you. It's all good. Okay. But uh, yeah, I definitely have some ideas coming up. Um, okay. I definitely want to touch on more true crime, but there's also some really great um, just stories that right. I would like to share as well. So they don't all have to be true crime unless, you know, okay. that's what I do. No, but, that's fine. Yeah, that's Brooke will be good. back. Um, Brooke's going to come back next month. Um, it'll be another special Monday show. And uh, she's going to bring back, uh, like she said, she has another documentary that she's going to bring back. We'll do a little bit of true crime. We're just going to do documentaries, period. So whatever Brooke brings us, that's what we're going to watch. And we'll talk about it. So I look forward to you coming back. Thank you for sitting with us. I appreciate you coming. We've been working on this for a while, guys, just to let you all know. Um, Anyways, I appreciate you guys to my listeners. You guys are wonderful. Um, You guys, please take out your phones. Go to YouTube, type in uh, Rossi Talks. Please, guys, subscribe, like, and share. I'm trying to grow that YouTube channel as well, okay? So until next time, guys, we are out.